All right, how's everybody doing tonight? You guys doing good? Tonight, glad you guys are here. Um, tonight, I'm just going to silently draw pictures, and then you guys will go back into your groups and talk about it, and we'll see how that goes. No, we're not doing that. Um, we've been talking about friendships the last couple weeks, and uh, tonight we're going to dive right into it, thinking about your favorite fictional friendship um, that you guys that you guys know about there. Maybe it's in a book, maybe it's in a movie, maybe it's in a show. Um, I'll share mine, and then I'll ask for a couple of you guys to just kind of um, share yours. Right now, one of my favorite fictional friendships happens in the Marvel um, Cinematic Universe. Um, the Winter Soldier is my favorite Marvel character by far. He's, he's amazing. He's quite handsome. He's very, very, very strong. He's got that arm. Um, you know, he's, he's great. Um, and I don't know how many of you have seen the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, but the friendship between Bucky and between Sam and that is pretty, pretty enjoyable for me to watch. I, you know, I like their, the stubbornness in both of those characters. I like that, you know, they're just like masking all this stuff that they're not willing to, to share with each other. Um, you know, discovering themselves in the overall story, kind of how they fit, what their, what their place is. You know, they get to the point where they kind of let down some of their stubbornness and, um, you know, have, have like some real genuine parts in that show where they're like encouraging each other and they're for each other and then they're just constantly punching bad guys in the face and it's great. And so, you know, that's, that's one of my favorites that I have out there right now. Anybody willing to just say what one of some of your favorite fictional characters are? Natasha and Glenn from? From Marvel. Okay. Yes. Batman and? Who's his friend? He has no friends. He's just Batman. Batman and Robin. Okay. Yes? Keith and Sophie from a book. Yes. Bill and Ted. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. We get caught up. We get caught up in friendships. I think that you guys probably can think of a few that you've, that you've witnessed and that you like along the way. You know, we all love a good story of friendships because if we're honest with ourselves, some of our deepest longings have to do with friendships. They have to do with relationships. Some of the things that keep us up at night are when friendships aren't going well. Some of the things that we get most excited about is when friendships, um, you know, are going well. And really, one of the biggest things that we want in a relationship with someone is to know that they're going to be there to care for us when we need care. You know, but if we're honest with ourselves, relationships are hard. Relationships are confusing. Sometimes we don't understand where things stand. Um, and so I'm going to share a couple thoughts tonight about friendships that might help you guys, one, to be better friends, two, to understand God and who he is and where he's coming from when it comes to his friendship with us. Um, and so in starting that, though, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a broad picture about guys and girls that might make sense to you. When it comes to relationships, this is general. This doesn't apply for every guy. It doesn't apply for every girl. 
Um, but in general terms, guys, when it comes to relationships and caring, tend to be brown mud. And girls, when it comes to relationships and caring, tend to be spikes, kind of like a camera flash when you don't expect it. And so if we think about that, and I'll explain it a little bit more um, in, in a minute, but I think this can frame some things for you. This will, this will hopefully make sense in, in the way we think about caring for each other. I'm going to tell you a little bit about when I was in high school. I had two friends in high school who lost their dad um, during their high school years. And their names were Josh and James. And my parents were always encouraging me to figure out how to be a good friend to people when they were going through difficult times. To make sure I was checking in on them, to see how things were going, just to try to show up in their lives. And, you know, I, was, I knew it was important to do, but really beyond that, I didn't know how to do it. So not too long after Josh's friend died, my mom and I went over to their house checking on him. I walked into Josh's room. He's in there playing video games. Hey, Josh, how's it going? You know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, sorry about your dad. He's just into playing video games, and I just kind of like moved myself out of the room, waited for my mom to have a conversation, and... You know, we left. He seemed kind of distracted. I didn't want to bother him. You know, I didn't really know how to engage with him. You know, this was me. Again, guys tend to do this a little bit more than girls, but some girls also go here. We apply our mo emotions and thought to a situation, and, you know, we have care. And so we come in here with this care, and then we show up with a little bit of nervousness, and that kind of comes into play here. You know, we just kind of lay it over there. It's there. We have a little bit of fear. Okay, we apply that fear to the situation. You know, that shows up there. We're just kind of fumbling through it, figuring it out. We have some insecurity that shows up in here. You know, we end up with a little bit of kindness. These markers are going to be ruined after this. You know, we end up with a little bit of joy in the situation that we apply to it. We end up with a little bit of sadness that plays in there. And at the end, we just kind of have this, uh, and, and guys tend to, you know, do this a little bit when, you know, we, even when we're dealing with our emotions in general in our relationships, especially when it comes to our parents, how are you doing? No, I'm fine. You know, it's kind of this, yeah, I'm fine. You know, and we don't really know how to, how to process it. So that's the first category. It turns into kind of a brown mess. You know, my question in this, when this is what I was experiencing, what, this is what I was doing, how do, I, how do I go about caring for my friends? Now, when I sat with my friend James after he lost his dad, it was kind of the same, same thing. I didn't really know what to do, so I really didn't do a lot. I was, I was there, and afterwards my parents asked me if I talked to James about how he was actually doing, and I hadn't. I didn't really know how to show up in that situation to care for him. But in that same room with us was a friend of ours, Martha, and she was all over the place. I mean, there were times where she was like super attentive to what James was going through. There were times where she was telling jokes at the wrong time. You know, there were times where she was asking other people in the room how they were doing. And it was just these, these spikes of engagement. You know, she was showing up and she was adding her care. 
She was adding her nervousness. She was adding her fear. She was adding her anxiety. She was trying to bring joy to the situation to cheer up her friend. And really it showed up, you know, in, in, some, of these, in some of these spikes for, um, for James. You know, how do I care for my friends when they need, when they need my care? Now, I want to note this, and I think that this is the most important thing to note when it comes to caring for our friends, is that showing up is the thing that matters first and most. I think the thing that mattered in my relationship with Josh and in my relationship with James was that I showed up. I was there. I was muddled in my response, didn't really know how to engage, but I was there. You know, you all, some of you may know that I lost my dad in early July. Um, He passed away on July 9th. And in thinking through this message and thinking about care and thinking about what friends could do or should do, there's really no exact right way that anyone can meet me where I'm at in my struggle and in my feelings about losing my dad. Like there's just not, there's not a prescription for it. Nobody really knows what to do. But a good number of my friends have just made the effort to show up. And usually it's involving food, which is really important. Um, But they've made the effort to show up in my life and just be there. And sometimes we're laughing about dumb memes or YouTube videos. Sometimes they're asking questions about my dad. Sometimes they're listening to me reflect about, you know, things that I am kind of remembering about him. Sometimes they're letting me vent about my struggles at work because right now work is hard and I'm distracted and, you know, things are just tough to sometimes sit down and focus, you know, but, but they showed up. So take this conversation and hold it on the side and know that the most important thing that we can do for our friends in caring for them is showing up first. But what I want to do is give us some tools to use when it comes to, comes to really being there for our friends. It's not worth me beating up myself too much when I reflect on James and when I reflect on Josh and their experience because I was there. But I sure do wish I had in that moment a little bit more understanding of how to truly care for my friends in a way that, you know, what wasn't awkward for me. So what do we do? How do we show up for our friends? We can actually learn from Jesus in this. There's a chapter in John chapter 11 where he shows up for his friends. Um, And some of you guys have been given a sheet. You guys have an order that we're going to go in. I'm going to ask five of you um, to read from this passage. So Jordan has a microphone for Drew first. And so we'll start with Drew, and then we'll go. Jordan's right behind you here. You can, you can, read, it, you can read it from right, right where you're at. Hello. Oh. <laughs> um, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. 
So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go get back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. Luke. The the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus met Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus was dead. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let us go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he went, he was told that Lazarus has already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people waiting for her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry and he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha and dead man's sister protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. 
The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told him, unwrap, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Awesome. Thank you guys for reading. appreciate it. A long story here about Jesus' experience with some of his close friends. And we see him engage with them in all sorts of different emotions. I think it's interesting, actually. You see, you see it says Jesus gets angry. And I was kind of wondering, you know, a little bit about that. What's, what's Jesus angry about? You know, I think that he's, I think that in many ways he's angry because he knows that this is not how he created the world to be. You know, the pain, the suffering, the hurt, the things that his friends were feeling, he was angry about. You know, death is really the big disruption for how things were created to go. Pain and suffering is the great disruption for how this world was created and what, and what God intended it to be. And so I think that when Jesus looks at that, he's, he's angry about it. He's angry about the pain. He's angry about the hurt. He's angry about the suffering. He's angry about the hard times. And we, we see how Jesus engages and comforts his friends. You know, he did it with his words. We see in that passage, if you guys go back and read it, maybe even this evening before you go to bed, we, you see how he comforted his friends with his word. You see how he reminded them to trust in God. You see how he prayed with them and in front of them. Uh, And you see how he spoke life-giving words to those who were mourning, and then also more in a a very tangible way, he spoke life-giving words to Lazarus and raising him from the dead. You also see that he showed up with his presence. You know, there's there's this part where it says, you know, his disciples were saying, it's really dangerous for you to go there. There are people there who are after you. But he put his busyness aside, he put the things that he was doing aside, he put the dangers that he might face aside, and he showed up for his friends. He took the time to do that. Like we were saying, showing up matters so much. And then, of course, with his actions, um, he showed up for his friends. the things that he said, the, the healing of Lazarus, the raising from the dead, the comforting of the people who, who were there. He, he, put his, he put his actions on the situation. Now those are some thoughts for us for care when our friends are hurting, when our friends are struggling. But I wanna back up for a second and I wanna give a little bit of guidance for friendships in general when it comes to our need to actually care that goes beyond when our friends might be, be grieving. 
you know, this ball of emotions and figuring things out and the struggle that you guys are going through through middle school and high school, um, this, is, this is actually a, a stage that you guys are realizing where, you know, when you guys were younger, when you guys were in early elementary school, they actually, like, psychologists say that there are basically, like, five emotions that kids, young kids have. And, you know, it's usually joy, it's usually anger, it's usually sadness. It's just very limited palette. And then as you guys grow up, you get handed this big, bright painter's palette of emotion. And a lot of times it ends up like this, where you're trying on, okay, how do I feel in this situation? What am I going through? How do I process this situation? Sometimes you don't even know. Man, I just had this explosion in this situation, and I don't even know where that came from or, or what that was about. And, and the season can be really confusing. And I want to point out for you guys as you're dealing with your friendships today that if you use this image and step back from it a little bit, you and all of your friends are going through this thing and figuring this out at the same time. There's even a lot of adults today who haven't even realized how to get a grasp on this. But if you guys recognize and take some, some pointers from Scripture, I think it'll bring some clarity. When I was in high school, I was taught when it came to my friendships and caring for the people around me to reflect on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it's interesting because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is referred to as the love chapter. It's the chapter that oftentimes gets read at weddings. But it has nothing to do with that. Paul, when he's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you guys can look at it, he's talking to the church and he's talking to them about spiritual gifts that they get and how they can use those gifts to care for and build each other up. And he's talking about all these different things that are going on within the church. God's given these gifts to the church. They're using them. And in the transition from chapter 12 to chapter 13, it has this interesting phrase. And Paul says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. He goes on to say this. He goes, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, which was a spiritual gift that he was talking about, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm only making noise if I use the spiritual gift, but I don't have love. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, those are spiritual gifts that he talked about for use in the church and in the community of caring for each other, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship so that I can, be, so that I can boast, so I can be proud of that, those were spiritual gifts that he was talking about, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. And this is where he gets into it. And this, these are these are things that we can pick up for how to care for each other. Love is patient. Ask yourself, can you care for your friends by being patient with them? Does love is kind? Is that a way that you can care for your friends? Love does not envy. When you see your friends get something, can you celebrate them? Or do you have a hard time? Do you become envious of that? Is that a way that you can care for your friends? Love doesn't boast. Love is not proud. Are you boastful with your friends, or do you care for them by holding some of that back and supporting their best interests? 
Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Do you have a laundry list of ways that your friends have wronged you? Or are you willing to forgive them and care for them in that way? Love does not delight in evil. When you see your, your friends going down a path, do you cheer them on? Or do you call them back into something else? Love rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Paul goes on to say, you know, all the spiritual gifts that I've talked about, they're going to pass away. And then this is my favorite part. This is in verse 11 of chapter 13. He says, when I was a child, I, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But Paul says, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And he goes on to say, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. You guys are all in this awesome season where you're growing up in your middle school and high school years from children to adults. And you're, you're shedding off these childish ways of thinking about the world, these ways of caring about each other, these ways of being there for each other that don't work anymore, and you're growing up into adulthood. And Paul, in this book of 1 Corinthians, is calling us to love and care for each other in a way that's entirely, entirely radical. And believe me, I promise you that it's worth, to, it's worth it to live this way. Living with this kind of care for one another will leave you fulfilled in a way that nothing else could. And this is God's way of love. And the most important thing for you to understand is that if you haven't received that love from Christ, then that love is yours to receive from him so that you can be put in right relationship with a God who loves you and a God who cares for you. You know, we believe that Jesus was God on earth, showing us who he was by, by taking on a body like ours and proving that he was who he said he was. And so the story that we see of Lazarus is an exact reflection of who Jesus is and how much he cares for each one of us. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to turn you over um, to your small groups. We're going to let you guys spend a little bit of time talking about friendships, really maybe even focusing on in on this chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 where it talks about how we care for one another. Um, and if you haven't made a step to putting yourself in relationship with God, then maybe that's something that you can talk to your small group leaders about tonight too. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to do some announcements and head to groups. God, thank you for your love for us. Uh, thank you that you give us a roadmap um, as we grow up, as you um, teach us about who you are and the right way to live on this earth, and also about your love for us. Uh, thank you that through your scriptures you show us a, um, an excellent way a way that is full, that is a reflection of who you are and how you love us. Um, and God, I pray for these students as they move to group tonight that um, you would be with their conversation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.